Sponsored by Rabbi Shlemi and Mirla Greenwald. This is a sicha from Lakota Sichas Chedekidal, the Parshas Ekev Sicha Aleph, and it's also connected to Chof Menachem Av, where the Rebbe says in the, in the star right at the beginning of the sicha that it's the game Hoyelulo of Rava Goyin, Rava Chosid, Vichulu Amakubul, Mirenu Rava Rebelevi Yitzchok, the father of the Rebbe. And the topic of the Sicha is that in this week's parasha, the Torah mentions the passing of Aaron near the Shvirus Saluchis. And we learn from here that that it's difficult before Hashem, the passing of Tzadikim, like the breaking of the Luchas. And there are four parts in the Sicha. The Rebbe will, number one, ask a question on this teaching. Number two, present two side discussions with questions related to the Shvirus Saluchis. Number three, answer all the questions. And number four, present the Heira in Aveda Hashem. Rizal said that the reason that the Shvir Saluchas is written near Mrs. Aaron in our parsha is because because it's difficult before Hashem the passing of Tzadikim like the breaking of the Luchas. Now, as an explanation for this, when Teres Emes compares two things, it's a true comparison. What we mean by that is that the comparison of Masasin Shal Tzadikin, Shvir Saluchus, is not just that both of them are difficult before Hashem, and also not just that their being difficult is to the same degree, but rather that they are similar in their content and what they really are. Their Toichen is the same. And to the contrary of what we said before, that this, their deeper and more significant Similarity is the cause, and the comparison in their degree of difficulty is the effect. So when Terra says two things are similar, it's not just that they're similar in some external aspect, or even something that they shear in terms of, let's say over here, the degree of difficulty. But rather, if the Terra compares them, it's because they are truly comparable. They shear the same underlying idea, and it's as a result of that that all other similarities exist between them. And since these two things are similar to one another in their content, so it's understood that also the details that we find in Shvir Zaluchas have to also be found in Misasan Shaltzadikin. And we have to understand what is the similarity between Shvir Zaluchas and Misasan Shaltzadikin, both in their general idea and also in their details. In order to answer this question, we're going to go into a side-related discussion. And that is that even though Shvir Saluchas is a negative thing, and it's kosher lufni HaKadosh Baruch it's difficult before Hashem, but we also find in it something positive. A proof for this is that when Yidin went out to war, the Aaron with the Shvir Luchas would go out with them. And it's difficult to understand. The Shivri Luchas are a reminder of the Chet of the Yidin, the Chet Egel. And it's not just any Chet. But the Chet Egel that it says about it, which as Rashi explains, that there's no punishment that comes upon the Yidin that doesn't include in it a punishment from and for the Chet Egel. So how can it be that when Yidin go out to war, when they especially need a limutzchus and they need rachamim rabim through mitzvahs and ma'isim tevim, they will at such a time take with them the shivri luchus, which are a reminder of the chet egel, this tremendous chet. So from this it's understood that specifically in the shivri luchus there is a limutzchus for Yidin going out to war, and even more so, it's an incredibly great schus. We see this since those who went out to war were all tzaddikim. And that still wasn't enough, and they needed the Shivrei Luchas to go out to war with them. And according to what we said earlier, 
it's understood that this great tzchus is also found in Misas and Shal Tzadikin, because as we said, we we see that Kasha Misas and Shal Tzadikin, which means that they share a similarity in their deeper meaning. So if we say that the Shivri Luchas are a limut tzchus for the Yidin, and a tremendous limut tzchus, it must be that the same is true by Misas and Shal Tzadikin. And this expression of Kasha Misas and Shal Tzadikin, Lufnei HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Kishvira actually hints to this idea that there's something positive in the Shvira Saluchas. Because we find the idea of Kasha, Lufnei HaKadosh Baruch Hu, about Kriyas Yamsuf, which Kriyas Yamsuf, we know, is a tremendously good thing, and it was one of the greatest miracles. So we see that the word Kasha can actually indicate and refer to something that is positive and good. And that's why it's also used over here, because it's hinting to this idea, the positive aspect that's found in the Shvir Saluchas as well as in the Misasun Shal Tzadikin. And we have to understand over here what is good about Shvir Saluchas and Misasun Shal Tzadikin, which seem to be entirely the opposite of something good. They seem to be entirely something negative, both Shvir Saluchas as well as Misasun Shal Tzadikin. So in order to understand this, we're going to go into another related side discussion also about the breaking of the luchas. So it says about the first luchas, va'luchas, ma'ise lekim heima, luchas, they were the ma'ise lekim, va'michtav, michtav elekim hu, and the michtav, the writing, was a michtav elekim, charus ala luchas, it was engraved on the luchas, meaning that the luchas had in them two qualities. Number one, on their own, they were ma'ise lekim, va'luchas ma'ise lekim hema, and number two, what they had because of the michtav lekim that was engraved in them. So it was what they were on their own, they themselves were ma'ise lekim, and then in addition, they had upon them the michtav lekim, which was charus ala luchas. And even though on their own, the luchas had this great quality of being ma'ise lekim, Nevertheless, Chazal said, After the Chet Egel, Moshe Rabbeinu looked at the Luchas and he saw that the writing flew off of them. Omer, so he said, He said, How can I give to the Yidin the Luchas that don't have any Mamashas in them? They have no substance in them. The writing flew off of them. Rather, I will grab hold of them, I will take hold of them, and I will break them. And there are three questions here. The first question is, even after Parach Ksav from the Luchas, still the Luchas had the quality of being Maiselikim. And so the question is, how did Moshe say about them, She'in Bar Mamash, even if the Mechtevelikim flew away, but they themselves were Maiselikim. So how could Moshe Rabbeinu say, Ein Bahem Mamash? The second question is, even if we explain how it's Ein Bahem Mamish, Ein Bahem Mamish is a reason not to give the Luchas to the Yidin, and instead maybe to be going as them. But it's not a reason to do an act of Bezayin with the Luchas and break them. And the third question is, why does it have to say Echoiz? Why does it have to say the Moshe Rabbeinu said he will take a hold of them and break them? There are other places where it's mentioned that Moshe Rabbeinu gave the Luchas already to the Skenim, so then it makes sense why it has to say Echoiz, he's taking them away from the Skenim. But in this teaching, it doesn't mention that he gave them to the Skenim. So what is the need for Moshe Rabbeinu saying Echoiz, that he's going to take a hold of them? Now we're going to move on to answer these three questions, first on a basic level, and then I'll be premising on them. So the explanation will be understood with an example for this idea, and the example is going to be from Tumah. So the most precious materials, let's say, for example, gold, 
They don't have the importance to be makabal tumah in their raw state, but rather they have to be made into a kli, and also the kli has to be complete with everything that the person had in mind. So whatever the person had in mind before beginning to form the kli, until all of that comes into fruition, the gold cannot be makabal tumah. However, after the kli is already fully made, and it already became tame. So if then something became lacking with the kli, let's say for example the handle fell off, so even though it's understood that this is a great diminishment in the kli, because it doesn't have the handle, nevertheless it remains tame. And only breaking it from its main use of being, let's say, something which could hold water, could hold liquids, and now it got a hole in it that the liquid comes out of it, only something of that sort will fix it and remove its tuma. And what we're connecting this to by the luchas is that just like by the kli, before it became a kli, we look at it just as a piece of gold and it can't be makabal tuma. However, once it became a kli, that becomes its whole new existence. And even if it gets diminished, it still remains a kli until it's broken and no longer serves the purpose of the kli. And actually breaking it serves to fix it and remove it from its state of tuma. So too by the luchas. Once the luchas got the maisei, the, the michtav elikim on them, in addition to being maisei elikim, they got the michtav elikim. That became their new mitzvah, their new entity. Just like the kli, once it became a kli, that becomes its new reality. Until it gets diminished from being a kli, we still look at it as a kli. So to hear, once they became and had on them the Mikhdav Alakim, then that became their new entity and that's all that they are. They are the Mikhdav Alakim. No longer do we see the Maisa Alakim as something separate. And together with that, if there's any type of Tumma that comes upon them, the way to fix that Tumma is through breaking them. So bringing it to the Luchas, the Luchas once they got on them, the Mikhdav Alakim, that became their new entity. That's all that they are now. They are now something that has upon them the Mikhdav Alakim. We no longer see the Maise Alakim. And once there was a certain sense, as we'll see what we mean by that, a sense of Tumah on the Luchas because of the Chaita Egel, then the solution to remove that was through breaking them. However, regarding the Luchas, when we get into the details, number one, they were made of stone whereby Tumah, even a complete Kli made of stone, doesn't become Tameh. So there's no Tumah that could attach itself to the Luchas. And more importantly, even Basar Hayerid Minashamayim, there's a story in the Gemara about meat that came down from heaven, and it said over there that it's Tahar, it was allowed to be eaten. So even Basar Hayerid Minashamayim is Tahar. So for sure, the Luchas are something which are Tahar, and they can't become Tameh. But nevertheless, it's similar to what's said in the Mishnah that Big Day Kodesh Midras Lachatas, which basically means even something of a very high degree of Tyra, like garments that are on the level that they're good enough for something of Kodesh, but it doesn't mean that they're good enough for something even higher, of higher Tyra, which is for the Chatas, for the Paraduma. So, so too here, we're not talking about actual Tumah being attached to the Luchas, but there is a sense of a diminishment in their level because of the Chaita Egel. And so here we're discussing going down to a lower level. So we have over here an explanation for why Ein Mamash, because their whole new reality became the Mikhtav Alakim that was upon them, just like the Kli, that its whole new reality is that it's now a Kli. And we also understand why Moshe Rabbeinu broke the Luchas, because just like by the Kli, in order to remove the Tumah, it has to be broken also by the luchas in order to remove the negative aspect that became associated with it because of the chita ego, they had to be broken. 
And since the luchas were given to Maisha in order to place them in the Aaron for the tzibur, not for himself, so therefore before breaking them, he had to echaz, he had to take a hold of them in order to make them fully his, so that he can now break the luchas. Now we're going to explain this on a deeper level. So besignan acher, in other words, in pnimis yinyanim, since the mikhtav alakim was charus on the luchas, what does charus mean? Meaning that the mikhtav wasn't something added onto the luchas, like by writing with ink on a parchment where there are two things, there's the ink and there's the parchment, and they remain separate from one another. As close as they are, there are still two things here. So that's not how the mikhtav was on the luchas. It was charus on the luchas, which means that it was a very part of them. So, this, so it's understood that the greatness that the Mikhtav Elikim brought to the Luchas was in such a way that it became completely and totally one with them. That now became the new reality of the Luchas, meaning that through the Charus Allah Luchas, through the Mikhtav Elikim being engraved in the Luchas, so the real Metzius of the Luchas became the Mikhtav Elikim that was engraved in them, and they became a whole new Metzius. They were no longer a Maise Elikim. They now became something that had on them the mikhtav alakim, or they became the mikhtav alakim. Just like physically, it's not that the mikhtav alakim was on them. So also on a deeper level, it wasn't that there was the maise alakim, and the mikhtav alakim that was in the maise alakim, the whole thing became a new entity of mikhtav alakim. And therefore, when parach ksav ma'alayim, so even though they still had their greatness of being maise alakim, nevertheless, ain mamash, there's nothing really there. Because once they became the Mikhtav Alakim, if the Mikhtav Alakim goes away, so there's really nothing there because they became Mikhtav Alakim and there's no longer the Mikhtav Alakim. So there's nothing there to them. So Ein Behemamish, there's nothing there to them. And they are fitting to be broken since it already became completely ingrained in them that their real being is the Mikhtav Alakim that was Parach Malayan. So if the Mikhtav Alakim, what they really are, is no longer there, then Ein Behemamish, there's nothing to them, and they're fitting to be broken. So according to this explanation, it's not that there's something positive through breaking them, like in the more basic explanation, that that's actually the Takana, that removes the Tumah. Here what we're saying is, if what they became, and since what they became, is the Mikhtav Alakim, and the Mikhtav Alakim is no longer there, so then there, there's really nothing to them, and it's fitting to break them, because that's really the state that they're in. They're in a state that they're not there. And breaking them is just like an expression of that. And even more so, the simple meaning of parach ksav me'alein cannot mean the actual physical letters. Because then, Moshe Rabbeinu should have said, he, he shouldn't have said, ein behem mamash, but rather, ein behem klum. There's nothing in them. The letters are gone. How come Moshe Rabbeinu said, ein behem mamash? And furthermore, since the letters were engraved in the luchas, so then as long as the luchas were whole, Moshe did not yet break them, so then the letters that were engraved in them were also whole, because they were one, completely one with the luchas. They were engraved in the luchas, not written on the luchas. But rather, what does it mean? Parach ksav me'alein? It means that the ruach kodesh, that was in every letter, was parach me'alein. And that's why it says, Ein behem mamash. It's not in behem klum, but there's no mamish in them. There's no substance in them. Because the whole idea of the mikhtav alakim is the ruchnius, is the neshama. And so from this it's understood that the real mitzvah of the luchas was not just the ksav, but rather also and mainly the neshama and the ruach, the ruach kodesh in the ksav. And therefore when parach haruach, when the neshama of the ksav left the luchas, so then in behem mamish, if they don't have that, 
part of the Ksav, the Neshama of the Ksav, which is what they became through the Ksav, then there's nothing of substance in them. The substance, something of Mamashus, is the Ruchnius, is the Ruch Kaddish in the Ksav. Otherwise, we won't say Ein Bahem Klum, but we will say that Ein Bahem Mamash. And that's why Moshe Rabbeinu broke them, because what they really were, they stopped being that. Once the Ruach Kaddish was Parach Ma'alem, left them. Now, similar to these two qualities of Gdusha that were in the first Luchas, that of the Maisalikim, and that of the Mechtavalikim that was added to them and became the real Metzias, so we also find by every Yid who was made up of a body and a Neshama. The body of a Yid is similar to the Luchas themselves, which were Maisalikim, and so to the body of a Yid has a tremendous Gdusha in it. The Neshama that's in a Yid is similar to the Mechtavalikim which is engraved in the Luchas. That it's something which is now added to the body. And in the Neshama itself, there are many levels. One level deeper than the next. And generally, what there is, is the Neshama, and the Neshama of the Neshama. Similar to what we said about the Mechtevelikim, and the Ruach Kaddish that was in it. So we have the body and the Neshama, just like we have the Luchas, the Maiselikim, and the Ksav that was put into them, the Mechtevelikim. And just like by the Luchas, besides the Mechtevelikim, there was Ruach Kaddish in the Mechtevelikim, so too by the Yid. In addition to the Neshama, there's also the Neshama of the Neshama. And just like the Luchas, just like by the Luchas, we say that even though they are seemingly something on their own, even without the Mechtevelikim that was engraved in them, since they were in existence even before the Mechtevelikim was engraved in them, and nevertheless, once the Mechtevelikim was engraved in them, they rose to an Ili Atzmi, became their new Metzias, to the extent that their whole being was the Mechtevelikim, and in such a way that when the Mechtevelikim was Parach Me'alein, when the Mechtevelikim flew away from them, the Ruach Kaddish in the Mechtev left them, they became something She'ein Behemamish, and they came to a state of brokenness and losing their whole Metzias. So, so too regarding the body of Yid, that even though the body doesn't come from the Neshama, but rather it comes from the father and mother, and furthermore, the body was in existence before the Neshama, just like the Luchas were in existence before the Ksav that was engraved in them. Nevertheless, once the Neshama enters the body, the ultimate entering is such that the Neshama isn't something added to the body, but rather becomes the whole Metzias, the whole being of the body itself. Just like the whole being, the whole Metzias, the whole existence of the Luchas came, the Mechtevelikim and the Ruach Kaddish in it, so to the whole being, the whole Metzias, the whole existence of the body comes the Neshama. And like it says about the life of a Tzaddik, that is life, the Chaya Tzadik, Einam Chayim Sorim, Kim Chayim Ruchnim, Shem Amuno, the year of Ava, that that becomes the life of the Tzadik, it's not Chayim Sorim. The real life is Chayim Ruchnim, which are Amuna, year and Ava. So that becomes the whole Metzius of the body itself. And based on this, we can now go back to our original question and answer it. Our original question was, what is the similarity between Shviras Aluchas and Misasan Shal Tzadikin? So now we have an answer that this is the similarity between Shvirus Aluchas and Misasan Shal Tzadikin, what we just said. Because both of them changed from what they were originally, that originally the Luchas were the Maiselikim, but then they became the Mechtavelikim to the extent that when they were broken, they became to a state of Ein Mamish, so too by Tzadikim, by Yidin. They were originally, there was originally just a body, but once the Neshama enters the body, that becomes the real Metzius of the body itself, of the Yid, it's his whole Metzius. 
And when the neshama is gone, there's nothing really left. And so that's a similarity between the Shvirs Aluchas and Misas and Shalsadikin. That both of them changed from what they were originally, and the Ruchnius became their whole Metzias. And we see it in the Shvirs Aluchas and in the Misas and Shalsadikin. There it's expressed what they became. They became something Ruchnius, and therefore, once there's the Shvirs Aluchas, there's nothing there any longer. And same thing with the same, same so too with the body of a yid that once the neshama leaves the body, the body no longer has any mamashas to it. According to all the above, it's also understood the greatness that's in the shivri luchas and their connection to going out to war. The meaning of the war of the yidin is that even though they were a dirt day on the midbar, they were a very great generation. And they were in the midbar, a place that they were completely removed from all physical things, and they were immersed in ruchnis. They should cross the Yardin and conquer the Nachlas Goyim Eretz Canaan and make it into Eretz Yisrael, which Eretz Yisrael is Eretz Asher Eini Lekecha Bamirishis Hashano Vad Acher Hashano. So they have to go out of the Ruchnistic estate and make the Nachlas Goyim, the Eretz Canaan, into an Eretz Yisrael, a place where Hashem is found. And as long as the entire land isn't conquered, it's a Melchemist Mitzvah to conquer the Nachlas Goyim and make it a dear Leiz Baruch. And this Eros, the inspiration. And the Nisinus Kayach, the strength for this Aveda, comes from the Shivri Luchas. That just like the Luchas, that on their own had the quality of being Maiselikim, but they rose to the level of being Mikhtavilikim, to the extent that when the Mikhtavilikim was Parach Ma'alayim, they didn't have any Mamash. So look at the transformation that they went through because of the Mikhtavilikim that was engraved into them. So this inspires those who went out to war to feel that all their great qualities aren't enough. It's not enough. It's Maisa Lakim, but it's not enough. It could go to a place where it becomes Mikhtavilakim, that the Mikhtavilakim is added to that to it and actually becomes its home Matsyas that without it it's nothing. So also here it's not enough, all of their high levels that they achieved, and it's a mitzvah and it's a chayva, an obligation to conquer all of Eretz Roll, which includes in this Lachov is called It's to bring Kdusha into all the places, to bring it even to the Goyim, and that they should fulfill them. It should be connected to Kaddish Baruch Hu, it should be connected to the Torah, and to make the whole world the dear Lai Baruch. So the inspiration to do this, even though they're already on a very high level, is from the Shivri Luchas. Look at the Luchas. They were on their own a very high level. They were Maisa Lakim. But they rose to a level of being Mikhtav Lakim to the extent that that became their whole existence. And when it was Parach Ma'alayan, they became something Shein by Mamash. So too, this is an inspiration that it's not enough to do more. There's more to do, and there's so much more to do. The type of more that that could become the person's whole existence, that without it, the person is now in by Mamash. So that was the inspiration, the Shivri Luchas. That was the inspiration for them when they went out to war. This was a, the, the war over here was a Mohammed's mitzvah that was all about making the Nachlas Goyim, the Eretz Kanan, and Teren Eretz Yisrael. It was all about the making of a dear Leizbarach. And the inspiration was the Shivri Luchas. And this is a hero, this is a lesson for each and every person in their Avaida. A person should not be satisfied with what they accomplished in their Avaida Hashem until now. And even if a person already reached the level of a tzaddik, it's a mitzvah and it's a chayva, it's an obligation to rise to a higher level. Just like we had over here with the der midbar, that they were at a very high level. But a person can't be satisfied with that and a person has a mitzvah, an obligation to, to rise to a higher level. Now this era is also connected to the actual Misas and Shal Tzadikim. 
Now it seems that this part of the Sikha is going back to what we said in the basic explanation where we said about the breaking of the Luchas that their breaking was their Takana, like by the Kli, that breaking it removes the Tumah. So it seems like we're also saying there's an element of that over here by Misas and Shal Sadikin, that through the Misas of Sadikin, which we said is similar to the breaking of the Luchas, there's something positive that's affected. So Razal said, Tzadikim Tzadikim, they don't have any rest, not in this world, not in the next world. Shanemar, as it says, They're always moving forward, meaning that they are constantly in an aliyah in their Avedas Hashem. And even though this is true every day throughout the year, nevertheless, there's an extra aliyah on the day of the yard site. And the reason there's an extra aliyah on the day of the yard site is, so it's explained in a number of places, that in order to have an aliyah from one level to a higher level, which is shalei be'erech higher than the previous level, it requires the bittel of the previous level. The previous level has to completely be bottle, and then there could be an aliyah shalei be'erech to another level. It can't be built on the previous level, because then it's limited to it. And similarly, by Misas and Shal Sadikin, that the Misa, which is the bittel of their previous Metzias, in a very simple way, they're no longer in the Sham of a Guf, so that bittel of their previous Metzias is a preparation for their Aliyah from Eilam Hazat to Gan Eden, which that Aliyah is an Aliyah that is Shalei Barach, and therefore every year on the yard site, when what happened the first time is awakened on that day, there is another Aliyah that is Shalei Barach of the previous ones that happened throughout the year. And since this is taught to us, what do we have to know about these aliyahs? It's happening to the Nishamas and Gan Eden. The fact that it's taught to us indicates that also the aliyahs of Tzaddikim and Gan Eden are relevant to our Avedah now. What this means is that through the aliyahs of the Tzaddik, so the Tzaddik's aliyah helps and it gives strength to all those who are connected to the Tzaddik and especially those who learn the tear of the Tzaddik. Like we know that the deepest connection that there could be is through learning one's Torah. So, the, the aliyahs of the tzaddik, they help and they give strength to all those that are connected to the tzaddik and learn the tzaddik's Torah. It gives, helps them and gives them strength in their avodah to have an aliyah, and especially on the day of the yard site, when the aliyah is much greater, where it's an aliyah that shalei be'erech. And the Rebbe concludes that according to this it's understood that there's a greatness by a histalkos that's tied up with Golos, like the stalkos of the Rebbe's father, the Bala Yilulo, who is nostalgic in Golos. The explanation is, it says in the Chinuch that the pain of Golos is almost like the pain of Misa, because a person is taken away from their loved ones and from their place, and they are among strangers. An additional element of the pain of Golos that is not found in the pain of Misa is that it continues for a long time. It's an ongoing thing. Misa is a one-time thing. Golos is ongoing. And therefore, there's a greatness in the fulfillment of Torah Mitzvah even in the pain of Golos. And there's a similar to what Razal say that that if they would have put through Yisurin, then they wouldn't have withstood the test. And this is even though they were ready to give up their lives and they were thrown into the fire. And so from this it's understood also in regards to the Aliyah that comes afterwards, that the Aliyah is very great. And similarly, in regards to the help and the strength to all those that are connected to the person, and especially those who are connected through learning that person's Torah, which the which through learning a person's Torah, there's a yuchid nifla shein yuchid kamayu v'loi ke'erko nimtza klal b'gashmis. There's a connection, a bond, that no such connection, it's an, it's a 
unbelievable connection that no such connection, nothing even similar to it is found at all in Gashmis. And similarly in Avedah in general, through the Avedah of Ali and the time of Golos, of an Ashama in a body. And this Golos, which is within the Golos that came about through the Chet Etzadas, and after that, in the Golos of Golinu Maratzenu, so we're going through different levels of Golos. We have Golos, you have the Golos of Chaitet Sadas, and then the Golos of Golinu Maratzenu. And within this Golos is the Golos Meshchuna Lashchuna, from one place to another place. And in this Golos, especially in the Aveda of the weekdays, so all this is a preparation to the Aveda and level that's above Aliyas, to go to a place where there are no more Aliyas, because we're above all Aliyas. The Aveda of the day of Shabbos, the seventh year, the Shabbos Lashem, the Elif Ashvi, which is a Yem Shekulei Shabbos Amenucho L'chayei Lam.